Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will Gavin, Ollie Hunter, and Matt Sherry in very different locations, but well, they've put their video on. It's <laughs> Ollie taking his his headphones out, but he left his video on, so we're just seeing the inside of his ear hole. I've just realised. Absolutely. <laughs> oh God. This is, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's, it's like when you... <laughs> it, 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 oh, my God. That was like being in a doctor's office, wasn't it? Just watching a guy poke a horrible thing down Ali's ear. I mean, it was stunning how uh, surprisingly good the quality of the camera was, to be fair. But yeah. uh, otherwise, horrific. Absolutely horrific. Uh, are you still with us, Ollie? Yeah, yeah. There he is. Uh, so we're going to be talking about week 13 on this show today, but because we've um, basically, firstly, apologies, there was no preview show last week. Um, this sounds melodramatic, but the, the, what happened at London Bridge, which caused a shutdown at our building, which caused all sorts of chaos with our work, meant that we just didn't weren't able to do one. And so uh, we've, we've been a little while without a podcast. And so I think what we're going to do for this show is rather than bothering with... Um, going through all of the last weekend's games. I think we're just going to talk about the teams in the playoff picture and break them down and kind of figure out whether we think they can legitimately win the Super Bowl. The conversation that we had uh, between ourselves uh, on the WhatsApp group with Sherry and uh, and Simon Clancy as well was that I think the any of the teams with 10 wins right now can beat any of the other teams with 10 wins and then it's whether or not any of those other teams outside of that can get hot and can go on a streak and can get the right kind of games for them so um which where, where do you want to start boys i think we should start in the afc because we had um a, the, the ravens moving into the number one seed uh, i'm also just delaying talking about the seahawks uh, ravens moving into the number one seed with the 20 to 17 win over the san francisco 49ers which lets us talk about both of these teams from a Baltimore perspective, a, a, you know, a very impressive all-round performance, frustrating to see. I just, do you know what? It was just a great game of football. And I think it was a game of football that either team could have won. And uh, if, if the result had gone the other way, I don't think there would have been necessarily massive complaints. But it's huge for the Ravens if they can be at home for the entire of the playoffs. Yeah, and no, almost. I mean, uh, you know, the Ravens are potentially going to be in an unfortunate situation if you weigh all this out, where they might end up um, they might end up playing the Chiefs still in the divisional round, which is which is the one poison chalice that comes alongside the the number one seed. But we can get into that later on. And, and in terms of this game, you know, I, I I think that the positive from a San Francisco point of view is that they went toe to toe with a team who really have blown everybody out for five or six weeks, and in my opinion, actually had control for a lot of that game and, and should have won it. Um, the negative for the 49ers, which is a similar takeaway I had to the Seahawks game, is in these tight, close games, I worry a little bit about Kyle Shanahan and and the fact that he seems to make the same kind of mistakes when the bullets are flying in all of these games. Um, you know, just managing the game, the amount of times the play call comes in way too late and they take delay game penalties is a problem. Um, I think he gets away from his play calling gets away from where it should be. I mean, you look at the way that the, the 49ers dominated this game on the ground and, and really, you know, that it should have been the perfect formula to beat in Baltimore in terms of you controlling the clock, you limiting Lamar's possessions and they just weren't able to finish the drives off. So, 
I have some slight concerns about Shanahan in these tight games, and I, and I don't think it's a coincidence that that the 49ers' has two losses have been in those kind of games against teams who I think are more talented than. I think the 49ers are more talented than both the Ravens and the Seahawks. The difference, of course, is that the other two teams have have experienced top five NFL coaches. I'm not suggesting that Shanahan can't get there. I'm talking only about this season. All of these things are the kind of are the kind of things you learn with experience. I'm just not sure he's there yet. And I just yeah. wonder that if there's a close game in the playoffs, whether that might ultimately bite them on the behind. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And look, there was so much to be positive about from this game. And, and uh, the difference between this and the Seahawks game is that unlike the Seahawks game, although we did have quite a few defensive injuries in this one, is that this was a close to full full strength San Francisco side. And they did, they put, like you said, they pushed a team close who no one else has, has really pushed that close, including, you know, a run of teams like the Seahawks, the Texans, the Patriots, you know, yep. the scalps that, that they have at this point are, are absolutely phenomenal. They've already beaten a playoff caliber run to get to the point where they are at this point. Um, I, but you're absolutely right about Shanahan and the frustration in the game management late in the game, the frustration in... Some of the, like, for what a brilliant play caller he is, I thought he gets a little too cute sometimes yeah, as does. well. I think, like, on the fourth and one, you've been running the ball so well. that On that entire set of downs, the choices when we've been running the ball really well, getting it to the outside, getting yards on the Ravens that, that way, to move away from that felt silly. Um, I think that... Especially in those it, conditions as well. I mean, it was an insane call. Yeah, and, and that's it. And, and in... You know, better conditions. Would we have kicked the 53-yarder and taken a lead into that final Ravens drive? Maybe, but we could have done with picking up another first down, another 10 or 15 yards, which would have both eaten the time off the clock and also made it an easier field goal. I, um, I, I, it's you know, it was a game that the like you said, the 49ers had in hand and, and dropped the ball on. Unfortunately, from and my the bad, perspective, the, the badly, badly mismanaged the clock at the end of the first half as well. I mean, you, you yeah. had. You had three timeouts and and twenty seconds left on the clock on their thirty yard line. I mean that's just I, inexcusable. I had uh, I had some 49ers fans when I lost I lost it a little bit on Twitter about the mismanagement of the clock at the end of that half, <laughs> telling me that well no because you were kicking the field goal as it got to zero, so actually that's perfect clock management. I'm like they had two timeouts. They had what was it a minute fifteen something like that, and they didn't even have that long a field to make. Uh, well, why? Like, why are you, you sort of least... to kick the field goal? You want the yeah. touchdown there? Yeah, you could score a touchdown there, absolutely, with better game management, and you could at least get yourselves into much better, easier field goal range. It wasn't good clock management. And, and I also, and why people were trying to argue in favour of Shanahan on this occasion. One guy who argued with you was is a guy we know, uh, Colin, and and. His point was, well, you're trying to limit Lamar getting the ball back. Now, Baltimore's offense is very good, but they're not good at scoring quickly. I mean, their offense is designed to grind down the field in five minutes and score. I mean, it's just not what they do. And if Lamar Jackson has to drop back and pass, which I've said all along, you see it in this game, I'd, I'd urge everybody to watch every third and long or third and medium in this game. And there are a lot of bad throws from Lamar. If you get him in that position, that doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. He's a great quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's different to any quarterback that we've ever seen. He does it differently. But the reality is, in the same way 
that Tom Brady, if you get him into a situation where he has to rush, 15 yards for a first down, can't do it. Lamar Jackson finds it difficult if he's in third night. So because he's that kind of player, you know, the, the, the one negative to their offense is it's difficult for them to score quickly because his best passing plays are invariably built upon the run game. And if the run game isn't available because you need to score quickly, then, then obviously that, that doesn't play to his strengths. No. Defense-wise, how do you think the Ravens did or should they be worried when it comes to the amount of yards they're giving up to people like Raheem Mozart? I mean, 146 yards off of 19 carries. That, for me, if you're looking down the stretch and some of the, the teams that the Ravens have got to come up against, I think it's Buffalo next, um, that's a, a slightly worrying trend, no? It is, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm always wary of of judging too much against teams like any Shanahan team, basically. There are a lot of great defences, and the 49ers included this season, who you could run outside on. Now, that is easier said than done. I mean, the 49ers are built to run outside, so if that's a weakness in your defence, then that matchup specifically is going to be a difficult one for you. But the reality is, you don't find that many teams who are great at running outside, because it requires an extra special level of athleticism from your offensive line so so for me it's not that much of a concern simply because if I look at the AFC in particular it would be a concern if they met them in the Super Bowl but if I look at the AFC I can't immediately think of a, of a, of a real contender who can who can do those things potentially the Titans could give them a game for that reason I mean you look at what they're doing at the moment in the running game and, and you know the principles of how they run the ball are similar but yeah, I just don't see that any of the other major contenders, and I would say the Titans are, are low on the list of contenders in the in the overall picture. I, I don't think that it would worry me overly. That Derek Henry's all right, isn't he? I've always said I liked him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's set our attention to the other half of the AFC, seeding uh, them right now. The New England Patriots, who go down twenty-eight twenty-two to the Houston Texans, and you know at the, at the end of it all, as as much as I know, Sherry is going to, uh, I'm sure, come up with a passionate reason, impassioned reason why we shouldn't be negative on the Patriots here. Um, the late touchdowns gave this a much more flattering edge than than it deserved the two fourth quarter touchdowns i do think that it's a it's a game that had the texans won it by two or three scores it wouldn't have been undeserved no not at all um i mean i think there's a few takeaways from the game you know number one is that the texans when they have all their pieces healthy are a very good offense and very difficult to stop the reason they are is because you know what i've just mentioned about jackson well um, Deshaun Watson is, is just further ahead in that process he is now reading coverages really well his throw to stills for the touchdown is one of the best throws of the season and I've not really seen anybody talk about that it was insanely good and that was a third and ten where if the punt New England are going to get the ball back haven't just scored with a chance to get within three um, so first of all Texans great game plan which is not something that they've done against the Patriots previously. They attacked the weaknesses in the Patriots' defence, and as good as that defence is, there are weaknesses, which is if you can isolate uh, particularly Van Noy and Hightower in coverage against quick running backs and, and tight ends, good tight ends, then you're going to give them some problems. Um, I think the defensive performance from the Patriots was, was better than the scoreline suggests. However, and I also think that 
you know, 33% of the roster didn't practice because all week because they had flu. They flew on a separate plane. I think that had a, an impact on the game. The, the big thing with the Patriots is offensively, and the question is, whose fault is it? Um, I've watched the game back, and I've watched all 22 on the game. And and there is just no there is no relationship between these receivers and Brady, particularly the young guys. And it, I it's get, astounding. It really, yeah, like, but, it's, but it's not that astounding. I mean, Nikhil Harry's played three games, and he was mainly at fault for the interception as well. Watching it live, I put that on Brady. But you can't have a five foot nine defensive back fight through a six foot four wide receiver in that spot. It wasn't a great throw by any stretch, but but it isn't that astounding. You know, Harry's playing his third game. Jacoby Myers is an undrafted free agent for a reason. And then, outside of that, Dorsett is just a third receiver. Sanu is the big one who needs to step up, but is, is playing with an angle sprain. And Edelman's playing really well, but is injured. Um, and double teams. Yeah, absolutely, a double cover. The, the, the lack of Gronkowski really hurts them. However... The one thing well, I would just say, on, just on Edelman, I couldn't believe on that first drive they gave up those two thirds third down to him. And I do still think, like you were saying about a, a well schemed game from the Texans, and like some of the better coaching I've seen from them this season. How you, uh, if you're ever a team that are playing the New England Patriots, and you're allowing Julian Edelman to pick up third downs where he's not double covered, like on two separate occasions, there is absolutely astonishing yeah. to me. So much so, I very nearly swore then. They fixed it though, didn't they? That was the key. And I get that they, that they should be going into the game like that as well, but they did get it fixed. In terms of where I, where I lay the blame, I mean, I have seen this movie before with the Patriots in terms of their offence. I, I, think, I think Brady is missing more throws than he was, but he is 42, so that's going to happen. However, I don't think it's, a, it's the precipitous slip that some are starting to pretend it is. This is a precision offence. That is how it's built. I think there's a spell in three weeks' time where they have to turn around if the young guys aren't further up to speed and say, right, we need to simplify this. And they'll do that. I mean, I've seen them do that before. And They did you know, it in this game. They did it in that fourth quarter. It was Edelman. It was James White. It was James White on that drive where the the, um, the Texans just opened the floodgates for them. Um, it was James White and a lot of James White, stuff that we hadn't seen so far that much this season that, that they returned to. Uh, the, the, James the, White, who, by the way, in one dynasty league that I'm in, in an IDP dynasty league, where I'm trying to tank because there's no way I can win <laughs> the playoffs, James White won me my game this week and I'm absolutely <laughs> livid about it. The, um, <laughs> the, the other element is, and, and this is a trend more recently, particularly last season with this Patriots team, and, and I get that this sounds arrogant, but it is 100% true, is the regular se- season... I mean, the fact that you're proclaiming it to be 100% true is, is arrogant in itself. But the, Yeah, that is, that is very arrogant. But <laughs> the, the regular season, especially when you're 9-1 as the way, or 10-1 as the way entering that game, is almost becoming a testing ground for them. And I am not going to fall into the trap that I fell into last season, because I said last season that I thought they had no chance of winning the Super Bowl. I said that at this time of the year. I mean, Chris Sims has just said, oh, well, we've, got, we've, we've had questions about the Patriots before, but never in December. They literally lost two games against non-playoff teams in December last year, Chris. Last season. They lost to the Dolphins and the Steelers back-to-back, and their offense looked a lot worse against the Steelers in that game than it has looked at any point this season. So I, I think there's an element of them putting the young guys out there, sing or swim time, but I think that if they need to... 
at the end of the season, they can rely... I mean, the offensive line's playing a lot better. That's the big positive. But they can rely on an offence with two really good pass-catching backs in Burkhead and White. Sanu is a really good number one slash two. Edelman is your main guy and Dorsett is a three. And then the other guys are going from playing significant snaps to, you know, 10 snaps a game when you have four wide receiver sets. That's how I see it going. Matt Lacrosse, um, the tight end who is healthy now for the first time, actually looks decent. I mean, he's not Gronkowski. Nobody is, and he isn't even close to that. But he can do a job for them. So I ultimately think that they get it figured out. I mean, perhaps this is the year they don't. Perhaps Brady's fell off the cliff. I'm, I'm just not sure that's what is really happening. And I'm willing to be proven wrong. But, I mean, last year, I, just, I didn't... You guys remember... I literally said I've never had less faith in a team than I did those Patriots last year. Um, in the regular season, you can't keep winning games scoring in the teens, but there is no reason that even if the offence doesn't improve because of how good the defence is, that they can't just win three games in low-scoring games to win the Super Bowl. I mean, that is still on the table as well. But I tend to think it'll be a little bit more <laughs> balanced by the time the playoffs get going and they'll be in the mix. I'm, I right, Matt, Matt Sherry's hit his word count for the podcast already, so he's now going away, and just me and Ollie are going to talk about the rest of it. Have you taken a breath in the last five minutes, Sherry? Probably I was thinking not. we could put this bit out as a Twitter video, but it'll need to go out as eight videos at this point. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically oh, me <laughs> spewing up all of my thoughts on the period. Um, look, from a... From a Texans perspective, uh, they were, like you said, the, the the keys on the offensive side of the ball is when they are all fit, when you've got Tunsil and when you've got Hopkins and when you've got Will Fuller stretching the field and Kenny Stills had a good game and when you've got the run game, when that's all working and there's no injuries and it's all kind of clicking together, I do think that they are a team who could beat most teams in this playoffs and I wouldn't be that stunned if they did go and win a road playoff game uh, in the divisional round uh, but it, I think it does take almost everything clicking to work and that's something we've said about this team for a long time um, I, I just think there are just better teams out there who I would expect to beat them come January um, when we look at the uh, beyond the top two seeds obviously we've talked about the Texans um, the the team who are now looking pretty nailed on to win the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs. They have had an up and down season, but they're 8-4. and four. They're going to get a home playoff game at this point, barring an absolute disaster. And it did feel like against the, Ra- the Raiders, although the game flow was such that actually it's a little bit of a flattering scoreline. Like, if I told you they were going to put 40 points up, but Patrick Mahomes was going to be throwing for under 200 yards, I'm not sure you would actually believe me. But actually, I thought the defense stepped up really well and it was just a nice all-round game from them and at a point where, you know, they need to get a bit healthy and get back on track. And I, I, I can see the Chiefs getting hot down the stretch uh, now that they've got everyone back, healthy, clicking together. And the other element for me was the run game. that They lost, what, the, the top three of their four running backs and still managed to put together a decent run game. It does feel like even though you lose someone like Kareem Hunt and you see what he's doing in Cleveland and it's really impressive, you you think that scheme allows you to plug and play a vaguely elusive guy and they're going to go and they're going to get you yardage and they're going to help establish the run game. So the defensive side of the ball is the one that I thought was more interesting. Have the Raiders just got to a point where they've peaked on their season? I don't know yet, but... No penalties in the game. Really did a really good job of holding Gruden uh, and, the, and the offense down. 
it just looked like a complete game to me. I just can't figure out whether it was against a team that are maybe regressing to the mean a little bit. Ollie. Yeah, I, do you know what? I, I kind of agree with you there. Um, I was I was hot on the Raiders. I was um, I was almost seduced by Matt Sherry and his optimism around them. And I'd, I'd apologise to Gruden, but it did seem like the Raiders are well. It's certainly a, a completely different team away from home, one and five away, and it's there that they really struggle. And against um, against the Kansas City Chiefs team, who didn't really have to do too much to beat them, in my opinion. I just thought that they they ground they didn't grind it out, but they they just had enough to in the in the right areas at the right time to get the win. And a forty points to nine victory looks impressive, but I don't know whether they were that impressive. I don't know. It, it's a weird game for me. I think I mean I think the Raiders and and I've said this all along are just really talent deficient. I mean I I think for the whole season I've thought that that they might make the playoffs because that sixth seed isn't necessarily the toughest competition to get it and because of some good coaching, but ultimately they are talent division. The Chiefs' defence, I think, is getting better and better every week. And that, that, if I was, as a fan of another AFC team, that is what concerns me because, you know, how good a defence do the Chiefs really need to, to win the Super Bowl? It's not that amazing. I think the keys to that turnaround are... I mean, it's, he's not going to win Defensive Player of the Year, but the Honey Badger is playing exceptional football. And, and so is Juan Thornhill, the rookie safety, who had a big pick six in this game. I, I think that those two combined have changed the face of that defence, playing a lot more man coverage and doing it well. But yeah, I, I think Tyron Matthew, if you, if you looked at the last four or five weeks, has been as good as any defensive player in football. And, and like I say, if they can have a half-decent defence, they're a big threat. I mean, they could go into any building and beat any team. That, that, and Mahomes is that good. And, and if their defence is reasonable, then you give them a good chance of doing that. Especially when you've got Tyreek Hill, you've got um, Shady McCoy in the backfield, but Darwin Thompson had a, a really good game. Travis Kelsey's always going to be a threat, so they do have talent. They are they're they're a really talented team. Um, it's just what happens when they come up against another talented team. And you're right, the Raiders aren't that at the moment. They they're well coached, given the deficiencies they have across the board on offense, defense, special teams, whatever. But the Chiefs going up against a talented team, especially maybe if they win their foot, their home game, but they've got to, got to then go on the road to someone like the Patriots or the Ravens, it's going to be difficult for them. Well, we get a preview of that this weekend, and I, and I think that they they get the Patriots at a great time. Wouldn't be surprised if they yeah. win again this weekend. Um, cause I think is, is, there, is there any part of you concerned? We're going to get onto the Bills in a moment, but with them playing the Patriots this weekend, if the Chiefs can pull something out, and then you've got to play the Bills at where, as well, the Patriots might not even get a bye week let alone uh, not, let alone not massively actually, like, I, I think they'll beat the Bills at home I'd, I'd be stunned if they lost to the Bills at home in a game where both the division and the potential uh, bye is on the line and and they're going to afford you know they're going to afford one more loss if they lose this week everything's on the table and I think they might but I still think they would ultimately end 13-3 and three. yeah you'd expect them to win one of those two games essentially yeah exactly yeah and I think that's fair. All right. Uh, Should we talk about those bills? Because I think people are getting really positive about them now at this point. I do think that the, uh, 
Wait, hold on, have we missed someone? <laughs> Getting distracted. No, no, we've, we've... Uh, no. We talk about Texas. Talk about the Chiefs. We'll get onto the Steelers in a moment. Right. Let's talk about the Bills because we didn't get to talk about them last week uh, in the Thursday night win over the Dallas Cowboys. It was obviously a game we, we had on the the radio and it was a really, really impressive performance on the road against a team who we know how talented the Cowboys are and also how poorly coached they have been. We've talked about that a huge amount. But to go on the road on a short week to a very talented team and, and get the kind of win that the Bills did, I, I was really, really impressed. And what they're doing as well, we saw it with the trick play, John Brown's touchdown. Um, they're, they're, they're now getting confident. They're growing in confidence. Yeah. They're starting to get hot at the right time. Um, I think teams will be scared to face them. All right, the Cowboys aren't a, a, a very good team. I mean, it, when it comes to, to coaching wines. But the Bills going on Thanksgiving to AT&T and actually handing them a, 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 a can of whoop-ass, uh, <laughs> I thought was really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point about the confidence. You can see that shining through. I mean, nobody needs to... I don't need to talk much about the Bills. I'm their, I'm their coach's biggest fan. I think Sean McDermott is just superb. I'm delighted that everybody else... I'm going to call Sean that. McDermott's mum and let her know that she's no longer his biggest fan. No, but yeah, I, he, she's so, he's so good, man. I mean, I, I, honestly, shades of Belichick in, in everything that he does. Uh, and I've thought that from the from the first year that I saw him. He just He's just really, really good. I'm not really buying into Josh Allen in the way that some people are because of one performance in Thanksgiving. I mean, you see a lot of tweets about Josh Allen where you think, these guys have definitely only ever seen this guy play a full game once. That was the best game of his career. Um, and, and Brian Dable played an yeah. absolute blinder from a play calling perspective, and yeah, there was there was a it was a great game. But what's great about this is that it means they have been now flexed onto Sunday night football in two weeks' time. So we'll get to see them back on a national stage again, and back on a national stage against a Pittsburgh Steelers team who have moved into that sixth seed. In fact, the next two weeks, the Bills have got the Ravens at home and then the Steelers on the road. As much as we're saying they're confident and they're looking good, it's not an easy couple of weeks coming up for them. Um, And look, the Steelers might not have... You know, might not have had to have done a lot to get past the Cleveland Browns, but they now have a quarterback who's not losing the game for them, and they've still got a really, really good defense. So I think that's going to be a really big game in two weeks' time. And I kind of, I'm feeling more and more like we'll look at the teams on the outside, but the Steelers are going to, they've got to be one of the two big candidates outside of maybe one of the AFC South teams to get that sixth seed. Listen, if the Steelers had a proper quarterback, I would 100% agree with you. Their defense looks really great, but they've got injuries on in the running game. They've they're, got... they're close to a Super Bowl team if they had Ben Roethlisberger. Like, yeah, and that's with exactly. But that's when you're considering that they're missing their two best weapons around Duck Hodges as well in not having um, in not having Connor there and in not having uh, Juju there. That they, they like he's still yeah. they're still managing to pull stuff out. Like those people will be back. I mean, Mike, yeah. Tomlin, Mike Tomlin does a great job coaching with his back against the wall. I'm not sure he does a very good job when he's actually got the most talented team in football, which he's had certainly a few, <laughs> a few times over the last few that's seasons. The, but That's the classic veiled, uh, Matt Sherry veiled praise for the Steelers of Mike Tomlin. There. No, it's, it's, it's not really, because I mean, I, I would have fired Tomlin like last season with the way it was going but now I definitely wouldn't because it's a reminder that you know as frustrating as he can be you know 
the grass really isn't always greener on the other side and he shows in, in this season and I can think there was another season remember when they came to Wembley and they played the Vigans I think they started like going well they started 0-3 and, and they really turned Both it round there as well. I, I think this is when he does his best work and you see the, the good parts if I was a GM in Pittsburgh I would suggest to him that he needs to find the right coordinators to, to do with some of the schematic stuff but actually as a, as a figurehead head coach I think he's very good he clearly gets buy-in from players and, and yeah I mean for me it comes down now to the Titans and the Steelers I mean the Titans play the Raiders on the road this week so obviously the Raiders win that and everything changes but assuming the Titans win that their last three games are a home and away against the Saints with uh, uh, the Texans with the Saints in the middle of it. So you've got to think really that nine and seven is 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 the best aspiration for the Titans. And then you look at the Steelers at the Cardinals this week. I think they'll win that. Versus the Bills, I think they'll win that. Uh, they'll lose that. Sorry, at the Jets, at the Ravens. Now at the Jets, you think they're going to win? So if these two teams are nine and seven, I would guess that the Steelers are in. So I would probably give the edge to them just over the Titans at the moment based on the on the upcoming schedule. The Titans really have the, the, the kind of have it in their own hands though, because let's not forget that that same week that they've put Bill Steelers on um uh, the same week that they put Bill Steelers on uh, Sunday Night Football, we've got Titans Texans for the first time in in three weeks. First of two times in three weeks. So you know, uh, they could go, still win the division at this point. The Texans could still go out of it as much as we're saying that they could, could make an impact in January. So I, I, I would just expect them to split those two games. I don't know about you boys, but uh, if I was to predict it. And then I would think that the Titans need to beat the Raiders and probably need to win at home against the Saints, which certainly isn't impossible. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Bet Fred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELP40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred, at the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus, new UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. BeGambleAware.org. So, the, I mean, outside of the uh, the AFC playoffs, obviously, we talked about the Ravens on the road. Uh, the, the Ravens, who faced the Titans this week, so couldn't, couldn't clamber their way back into it Men that the way. Uh, the Raiders. What did I say? Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. The Raiders could clamber their way back into it. Um, and then the, there's the Colts at 6-6, six and six who aren't totally out of it. But they've got to go to the Saints in two weeks' time. They've then faced the... the, the, the They've probably got the easiest of the four schedules left, but they've just lost too many of the tiebreakers, it feels like, to the Titans, to the Texans, uh, to the Raiders. You know, even if they won out and got to 10 and 6, you'd think you wouldn't be that surprised to see them outside of the playoffs at 10 and 6 because the tiebreakers are so brutal to them. Um, They've still got a chance, so we should mention them, but... I just thought this week, this was the, the the last couple of weeks have been the perfect opportunity for them to prove themselves. And um, I, I thought the Titans were excellent against them this week. Really, really good. So let's uh, let's move on and talk about the NFC side of things. We've already mentioned the 49ers, now the fifth seed in terms of the... Um, it's amazing, isn't it? All right, mate. Uh, <laughs> it is amazing that it, is it can incredible. swing within, a, within one week. They, they go from... The first, or two weeks, they go from the first seed to the fifth seed. The Seahawks are, are playing 
some actually re- some really good football. Uh, it's Look, it's, um, it, it's opened wide open, hasn't it? Like the whole NFC race. Are you ready for the annual Will Gavin playoff seeding rant? Which I will caveat this by first of all saying this is nothing 49ers related, even though it's directly 49ers related this year because Here I've had go. the same rant for the last four <laughs> years. But the fact that these playoff seeding hands a divisional team a home game as standard is absolutely farcical when on numerous occasions now we've had a 7-9 and nine team win a division and I wouldn't even be that stunned if it was an 8-8 eight and eight or even a 7-9 and nine team that won the, uh, the, the West this year. Don't get me uh, the East, sorry, this year. Don't get me wrong. I think if the 49ers got drawn with the Cowboys on the road, I think they could go there and absolutely destroy them. And the same for the Seahawks if they end up in that fifth seed position uh, or sixth seed position, having fifth seed position, having to go on the road to the Cowboys. But they just need to say, yes, I get it. The four divisional winners get in the playoffs. You have to have that, else the divisions don't make sense. But I just think you do the seeding on home games based on record. I've been Probably. saying it every year, and I still stand by there's, it. There's no good argument against it. That's that's the reality. I've never really understood why <laughs> they haven't fixed it. I mean, it's just crazy. Good question. Uh, um, you could say it devalues the division, but it doesn't cost those teams still get in the playoffs. So, what's the issue? And the division, it, well, the division is already devalued if they're if they're so crap. I mean, the NFC. I'm going to call it. It's the NFC disgrace now. They're all dreadful full teams I'm surprised that uh, Doug Peterson I'm not that surprised actually because only one Super Bowl winning head coach has ever been fired and that's Mike McCarthy but it's weird that that Doug Peterson is still in a job uh, it's a dreadful division but it's um, it's the powerhouse division isn't it so we'll still get the teams on prime time even though they're dreadful and we could see the Cowboys go in as you said will with a seven and nine record, and it's just totally undeserved that they get a home game. I agree with you. For once, I agree. The Eagles' schedule going forward still means they could get in the playoffs, which, in itself, is absolutely sickening. Yeah, but based on based on this week, the schedule's irrelevant, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> if you can't if you can't beat the Dolphins when you're up fourteen points, then it's time to turn it in, isn't it? Give up. It's how we're saying, right? Uh, you can turn in your card for the year, guys. We're just going <laughs> to hand a win to the Giants, to Washington. Yeah. Two wins to the Giants, in fact. God, they're gonna, it's really going to hurt their seeding, isn't it? Maybe we'll split those games, just to be fair. Uh, um, yeah, I just it's absolutely farcical. And that game, on, uh, that game on week 16, oh, I'm so glad that it's going to blatantly be a, uh, like a CBS-protected game. Because if they dared to flex Eagles-Cowboys into Sunday night football based on the fact that it's Eagles-Cowboys and based on the fact that the division will be on the line, that game is going to be utter, utter dross. I agree. Yeah, um, can't argue with that. Can't argue with it. Well, we started at the bottom end. Let's go back to the top. Uh, the Saints we saw in action, obviously, back on Thanksgiving game. They're now up into that number one seed, a 26-18 to 18 win over the Atlanta Falcons. I did, this, I did that thing on Twitter, and also uh, I put it in our group as well, about teams that are winning tight games. And it, and it is amazing that you look at the 5-10 win teams, and you've got the... The, the Patriots, the Ravens and the 49ers on 187, 177 and 166 plus point differential. And then the Saints are on plus 50 and the Seahawks are on plus 36. 
The Seahawks will get on to in a moment, but from a Saints perspective, this this ended up being a little bit of a weird game on Thanksgiving night. Um, they've already fallen to Atlanta once. Hey, Ollie, you were the, you were saying in our group that you're like, nope, not buying the Saints anymore. Like that loss over the Falcons had you kind of talked into that they're just not going to be good enough come January. Yeah, I know they beat the Falcons on on Thanksgiving, but the Falcons now are a team in free fall. It's amazing that um, Dan Quinn still has his job, but that win I thought showed that the, the saints are fallible. They do have issues. They've got issues when they can't get the running game going. Alvin Kamara hasn't looked as good since he's come back from injury. Latavius Murray's their best running back. And I know you're a big fan of his will, but huh. for me, I, I think that says an awful lot. Defense South, mate. Yeah, exactly. Defense-wise, I they, they they were splashy at the beginning of the season, but some of the takeaways aren't there anymore. Um, the net points, as you said, is just 50 net points. All right, they're winning tight games, but Drew Brees, since he's come back, can't throw the ball downfield. Um, if Michael Thomas is double-teamed, I'm not sure what else they've got. Jared Cook's having a good-ish year, but he can be hot and cold. So I think there are there are worries there, and they're in a in a division where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have suddenly jumped to uh, five and seven and in second place in the division. It's the, the division's crap. So I'm, I think people need to temper how they feel about the New Orleans Saints because I'm I'm not sure they are exactly what a lot of people think that they are. Sean Payton did an unbelievable coaching job with them early in the season, and I still think the defense is good enough. The Drew Brees arm strength thing is is a truth. Like, we actually thought that maybe with his arm strength issues, uh, that the fact that he was going to be essentially getting uh, the, 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 the six or seven weeks off that he had off after that thumb injury, that actually that might help them later in the year. But the man can't move the ball down the field at all. And there will be defenses good enough in the playoffs that can take that away from you. But with Thomas, with Kamara... With Bree still as intelligent as he is, I just I, I can't write them off entirely. I just I just can't do it, Ollie. Well, I'm not writing them off. I'm not writing them off. I'm just saying. Feels like you're writing I, them I, off. We may see something in the next couple of weeks which uh, may prove me right. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think that you know they've just signed Manti Teo because they've Teo because they've got injury issues at, at, at linebacker. I, I mean. I think the issue for me is that the Saints defense, in my opinion, is a slight notch below the um, like the 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 Forty Niners and the Patriots defenses, and and I'm not sure that in the same way with those teams, I could see them really carrying them to victories in the playoffs. I'm not sure the Saints defense is quite at that level, and if it isn't, and and I agree with you completely. I think if you can shut down Michael Thomas, then you're basically shutting down the offense. Um, I think we're seeing how valuable Mark Ingram was to that offence based on how he's playing in Baltimore and the the drop-off to Latavius Murray. So, so yeah, I, I'm a little bit down on the Saints as well. I agree with you, Will. I mean, it's difficult to write off a team coached by Peyton and, and quarterback by, admittedly, an agent, but still a, a, a you know mentally proficient Drew Brees in terms of understanding where to go with the ball and things. But I would, I would favour... I mean, I think the 49ers are the best team in the NFC still, and and I'm not sure it's all that close. I think, I mean, barring a disaster this week, and that is a possibility, 
I do think the 49ers will go to New Orleans and win this week. I just, I've been buoyed enough by the performances in the two losses that that's the, the pick I'm going to make this week. Now, if that happens... Uh, your greasy little Green Bay Packers are going to slip their way into a, into a bye week. <laughs> Cheeky buggers. Uh, like, which is you know, a distinct possibility. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that if the Saints then have to go on the road for three weeks, if the, uh, no, for, for two weeks, if they fall into the, into the third or fourth seed and they have to go on the road in the divisional and in the conference, I don't think that this team, particularly if they have to go somewhere a bit miserable, a bit cold, maybe somewhere in the NFC North, maybe to Seattle, I just don't see them being able to win against both a good defence and with conditions against them. Yeah. Shall we talk about that NFC North? The yeah. NFC North is really interesting, isn't it? Because the Vikings lost that game to Seattle. Now... On our WhatsApp group, we've been banging on about and going this way and that about Cousins. It, you're right. It, it, come, what, three minutes, 17 to go, two, two or three timeouts, four points down, and he goes and throws, or he goes five and out. Um, uh, just just to say on on uh, on that that night, I stay, ended up staying up to watch that game when I hadn't originally intended to. And um, I fell asleep at halftime when the Vikings were leading 17-10 and playing really well. Yeah. I woke up at the start of the fourth quarter, and they were down 34-17. It was one of those falling asleep moments where, like, you know, your eyes close and then reopen again, and it's like no time has passed. How have you even managed that? Like, how do you manage to, like, you could just play pretty mistake-free football and get away with it. And I do think that the pick wasn't necessarily on Kirk Cousins, but... The interception, the fumble, the three and out, they just completely came out in the second half and, and papped the bed. And all those positive things I said about them after they finally got a road win in prime time and after they came back against the Broncos, I just like uh, this, this just, how do they keep making these mistakes in these games? How, like, if they'd lost this game and the Seahawks had fought their way back and it was a tight game and all of that stuff, great. But they threw this game away in that third quarter. They just handed it to the yeah. Seahawks. They're three and four on the road and five and zero oh at home, and that tells you almost everything about the, the Vikings. They're they're a, they're a big confidence team at home, and when things start to fall away on the road, they can't recover. And it, Kirk Cousins couldn't recover. I don't think anyone could really recover. They're massively missing Adam Thielen because Stephon Diggs, the interception was 100% on him. Um, he also had a load of other drops. Other people around had other drops. I know there was a good touchdown for Treadwell, but that was uh, a blown coverage. The Kyle Rudolph catch in the end zone was spectacular, and he keeps doing it week in, week out. But Diggs hasn't stepped up, and they're massively, massively missing Thielen. So I don't put the entire game on Kirk Cousins like some people have been doing. There are issues on offense. I think actually there are some issues on defense as well. And the the Minnesota Vikings, if they don't get, if if somehow Green Bay fall away and, and give up the division, um, then you, I mean, you play you play, play each other in Week 17, which is obviously a big key to that. Um, and I will let Sherry have his Kirk Cousins thoughts in a moment. What I will say is that yes, he made the mistakes on the final drive, but to actually come back to within four points as they did yeah. was good. He played well in that, but. You shouldn't have been as far behind as you were. Your yeah. team messed up. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, Cousins, for me, I thought he did play well in this game, um, but 
he had the ball in his hand down three with a chance to get a game-winning drive going and threw two bad throws on third and fourth down. That's Kirk Cousins' career. He plays well yeah. up until the point when the lights are really shining. And that doesn't mean a whole primetime game. It means those little moments that separate good quarterbacks from great quarterbacks. He never delivers in those moments. I mean, I don't know how many times we have to see it. It, it happens every time. And Vigan's fans can defend him. They can say he played well in the game. The reality is I want a quarterback to deliver in those moments. And the best quarterbacks do. I've watched Tom Brady do it for years. I've watched Russell Wilson do it now every single week seemingly you know I watch Lamar Jackson do it even a guy who I think is limited as a passer I've seen him make key plays on third and fourth down in big games that's what I want from a quarterback to Sean Watson does it and Kirk Cousins doesn't and I think that holds them back and what also holds them back is their defense isn't as good as previous years I mean it just isn't the secondary is nowhere near as good um, we saw another big blown coverage for a touchdown in this game actually their run defense has been really good except for this game and I think that from a Seattle point of view, which we'll get on to, is, is the biggest positive for them. Will? Hello? Where have Sorry. you been, Will? There was a delivery. Fair enough. We just decided to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I figured because Sherry was off on one about Kirk Cousins, I figured I had at least seven or eight minutes. Uh, um, what did you ask me? Are we talking about Seattle now? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Seattle. Seattle. They are the kings of winning these tight games to a point of it being absolutely ridiculous at this point. And there are some who will look at this and go, and literally the response has been hilarious on my Twitter when I put that thing about, out about their point differential. And then when you look at the, t- the, the wins they've had this season, so they've had uh, nine out of ten wins have been by one score or less. They've had the three touchdown wins, which have been the Vikings this weekend after the late field goal, the Falcons, and then the Eagles, which really is a touchdown and two points, but that's still one score. And you look at the rest of it, and it's all overtime, overtime, one point against the Bengals, four points against his team. And it's, you've got, you both have to feel amazing about it if you're a Seahawks fan, because it just shows the grit, the mental fortitude. What was it that the Liverpool fans have been horrendously saying about their team recently? The mental masters or whatever. Mentality monsters. Mentality (laughs) monsters. <laughs> um, like so, Seahawks fans have to feel brilliant about it from that perspective. But at the same time, it's gotta you've got to have your heart in your mouth every single week watching this team. They must just think sometimes, can we not just beat one team by two scores, please? Can we just get through one week where we just don't have to like come from behind or have some big late drive or have some big defensive stop at the end? Uh, and it's just how much of a toll that takes on your team. It'll be one of these things where you can take a position on it either way, but what people will inevitably do is when they either win the Super Bowl or lose in the playoffs, people will go, oh, well, that's clearly taken a mental toll over the year. They were lucky to win these close games. Or people will use it as a, you know, it'll be the greatest America's game of all time because they've come back to win nine of ten games so far. I just... I do think that you look at the games that they've um, that they've won in recent weeks, the likes of uh, the 49ers game, the Vikings game, and you say if they played those teams again in the playoffs, you could see them losing those games because it's been tight. I, I, just... I don't think the Vikings game was as tight. They were pretty much in control. I mean, they were like 10, 14 points up, and then the Vikings came back at the end. I thought they were the better team. I, I'm aware they were down at half time. And obviously the Philly game, I don't think, was as close as the scoreline suggests. The games earlier on the season were really close. I mean, I can think of the Bucks game where Wilson drives down the field. But I think they're a better team than that now, and they are coming on. 
strong um, and Quandre Diggs as I said last two weeks has made a big difference I, I just do think though that San Francisco are a better team and, and I think that that'll prove itself out in week 17 when I expect I expect at week 17 Seattle to ho- hold the number one seed and then lose it to the 49ers because I, I just think you know that game Sanders out Kittle out I think that makes a huge difference and I, and I agree with you Will I think the 49ers will win this week and um, just looking at the playoff predicted now, and, and, and I think they'll ultimately go 14 and 2 and, and, and end up having the number one seed. My two pennants. Sorry, so you think, you think San Francisco are going to win in Seattle on week 17? Yeah, I do, yeah, I, I really You're do. You're a I, more confident man than me. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 but I do just think that that kid, I mean, George Kittle is easily the most important player on that on that team, probably. And to, for him to be out in that game and for you. For it still to be such a close game, I think is 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 really a moral victory for San Francisco, and and I just think with with everybody healthy, I, I would expect the Forty ers to beat the Seahawks in in Week Seventeen. The only caveat is Russell Wilson, who, you know, he very rarely gets blown out in games, and will and and that's that's terrifying as an opponent because you you never want Russell Wilson with the ball with two minutes left. Glad you highlighted Diggs because he has been unbelievable. Um, Quandre Diggs is uh, worth mentioning again and again. Uh, So we talked about the Vikings uh, in terms of the Seahawks game. What about those Packers, Ali? Well, yeah. Uh, The game started and it was there was no snow, and by the end it was a snow game, which suited Green Bay right down to the ground. And um, I thought actually. Aaron Rodgers looked really good, and the receivers looked really good. I know it's like against a very, very bad New York Giants team, a very bad team. But shockingly we've seen bad. shockingly bad. But what we've seen is uh, Green Bay receivers who going up against equally bad secondaries, not being able to get open. And it, time and time again, you were seeing open guys. And uh, this game could have been um, even more of a, a blowout, despite. Uh, Green Bay letting them come back in. If had um, Devontae Adams been more on his game, there were a couple of drop passes from him. Um, Jimmy Graham is being proven to be a li- more of a liability than than um, being good for the team. But when you're when you've got Alan Lazard coming out and on the sidelines or or, or as well in that receiving call, you've got Valdez Scatling and Allison providing help to Devontae Adams. And they're getting open, and Aaron Rodgers is finding them in the snow. I think that's quite scary. I think it's scary for some of the other teams. I still don't trust the defense. I think the defense is dodgy. But if the offense is starting to find its feet after a couple of really bad road games in California, uh, we could be seeing something something funky come playoff time. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna get a they're gonna win the division now. If you look at the last four games, I mean, the, the the only difficult game is the Vikings, but they're going to afford to lose that and they'll still win the division. I've yeah. just done it through the playoff predictor. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be stunned if they lost two games. I mean, I don't think it, uh, anything about Sunday's game scary. I mean, snow benefits offences rather than defences because they, it's harder to react than it is to, yeah. you know, when you know the routes you're running. I, I think Rodgers made some great throws in the game. I mean, that happens, but I still think their offence... I, I would be absolutely stunned if the Packers got got to the NFC Championship game. I, no, stunned if they got to the playoffs, shocked if they got to the NFC title game. I just think they're ripe to be, to be taken apart in a divisional game, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if they lost a wildcard game. I just don't think that... 
I've, I've never seen a team with two losses at this stage of a season who I believe in less. Well, three losses, but um, the, the the two, the big loss against San Francisco, yeah, sorry, sorry. I think the, the, that loss against San Francisco uh, and the way that Green Bay lost it and not being able to react, Rogers not coming out and, and putting the team on his back, that's the worry that you have as a Green Bay Packers fan. But maybe you you, sh- you shake those cobwebs out, you got rid of them early and and come the playoffs, that's that's what we're all hoping as a Packers fan and a Rod- and Rogers fan, Simon Clancy. I'm, I'm looking at you, but um, yeah, I, I have to agree with you that come San Francisco, maybe New Orleans. I'm not so worried too much about the Seahawks, but those two teams, the two the other two ten win teams, yeah, they petrify me in the playoffs. So uh, for the outside teams, the, the the key one is the Rams. They're seven and five right now. You know, if they beat the Seahawks this weekend on Sunday Night Football and then go on the road and meet the Cowboys, they can lose to the 49ers on, uh, in Week 16, beat the Cardinals, and they'd be in with a shout at the wild card if, say, the Vikings drop off entirely. Ugh, I just don't see it all coming no, together I for them. I, 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 just, think, uh, it's, I think 10 and 6 isn't enough. I think every team will have a, at least 11 wins. Um, yeah, I just think it's one of those years. The NFC is that strong. Sorry, Los Angeles. Come again next year when you've sorted out your cap issues and made some changes. Obviously, yeah. they could win out. If they win out, then obviously it's a different story. Eleven and five, um, but it just fails unlikely. But the thing is, Minnesota very, very easily could win out because they've got all three of the other NFC North teams at home. Then. It, in two weeks' time, they have to go to the Chargers, and then, and the Chargers aren't a good football team, despite what they did against Green Bay. Yeah, um, I'm glad you said it because I was ready to. <laughs> yeah, so I'd expect actually Minnesota to win their remaining four games, and what's that leave them with a 12-win record? So um, 11 isn't going to do it for for the Rams. Who's winning the Super Bowl, boys? I think we saw the Super Bowl. This week, I think it'll be the the 49ers Ravens, and I think the 49ers would win. I think. I'm doing locker room after the game on uh, for the Super Bowl. I'm not sure I could handle it. Right. <laughs> after like the, you've, you've I, been there, you've done I, it. I, I, it's worse if you go into the the, the, the Eagles one was horrendous. <laughs> oh God. We go and face the Ravens again and lose to the Ravens again. Give up. Do you know to, what? It I comes down to a situation where the Ravens get to... They're coming back in the game. They've got to score a touchdown. And Greg Roman runs the ball inside the 10-yard line. I'm going to be living. Because he'll have won uh, the Ravens two Super Bowls at that point. I'm, uh, I'm going to change my mind. I think the Chiefs will play this 49ers and then I think the 49ers will win. If Mahomes stays healthy all year. Because I, I, I genuinely think the Chiefs are a really bad matchup for the Ravens. And if they have to play them in the divisional round, and that potentially paves the way for the Patriots again, because then the Chiefs will go to New England. That's what I think will happen. I think in the divisional round, the Ravens will lose to the Chiefs. There's and then after that, it'll be Chiefs or Patriots in the Super Bowl. Or maybe it'll be the Texans. It's way too much for me. 
I think the 49ers are getting in, Will. The only team who would stop you is the Seahawks, and it'll be Wilson alone who does it. And, and that'll start with Week 17, winning that game. That'd be the worst. Well, th- this week, when you've got um, 49ers Saints, that's another really good idea of where, this, where both of those two teams are. Um, if the Saints win that, then that throws everything wide open. I think the 49ers will win it. I think across the board, that defense obviously massively legit. Um, but if the Saints do do something, Peyton pulls something out of the bag and a couple of injuries or, or whatnot, we could be looking at the Saints as being um, big, big contenders. So the, let's, the NFC- let's, let's appreciate what we're getting this week. You know, very similar to last week. We're getting two games that very easily could be conference championship previews this weekend. That's pretty yeah. fun. All right, boys, top work. Uh, thank you for listening, as always. Uh, really appreciate everyone getting in touch, enjoying the show, listening, rating, reviewing, subscribing, all of that stuff. Uh, we will have an NFL 100 show coming up. We will have a um, we will have a weekend preview show uh, probably on Friday as well. So keep an ear and an eye out for those. Uh, otherwise, thank you very much for listening. This has been the Gridiron Show. Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full-time supply, 18 plus only, begambleaware.org.